CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, this is Doug Goldstein. And this is Mike Orlando. And we are on... Talking Metal. Metal! <laughs> Very good, guys. Perfect. Hey, it's John Astronomy. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. I'm here with Mark at the Hudson Hotel in New York City with two very special guests. We have Mike Orlando from Adrenaline Mob and from A Beautiful Disaster and legendary rock manager Doug Goldstein. (laughs) Guys, how do you guys come together how do you guys know each other you guys are working together let's start off there we got mike orlando from adrenaline mob and we got doug goldstein from guns and roses fame how, how do you guys make the connection and are, are you doug are you managing mike now is that what, i is, hope so yeah <laughs> he is managing yes yeah, i hope so yeah. and how did this come about well i'll zero it in it was at nam but it was specifically the randy Rhodes remembered concert at the old Galaxy Theater, which was called the Observatory Theater now. And we met during the day. Yeah. Uh, a mutual friend and just hit it off. He's amazing. So, yeah, yeah kinda, I love the guy. We kind of have this uh, we kind of have this mutual respect. We laugh a lot, which I think is really important when you work with somebody. Right. Um, we share the same goals, values. I think, Mike, I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of working for some of the greatest guitar players in the world. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, Steve Vai, uh, Tony Iommi. Uh, slash certainly, yes. and uh, and Mike is like the most incredible guitar player I've ever heard. And if you don't believe it, you have to buy Sonic Stop One and Two yeah, because absolutely. it's yeah. a stupid good, crazy yeah. good. So I have this, I have, I have this really uh, uh, incredible respect for Mike as a player and a human being. I had a brother, uh, older brother, five years my senior, who was an amazing cat, an amazing guitar player. But uh, so I know good from not good, and and when I heard the Sonic Stop records, I said, you know what, I gotta work with this guy. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Let's let's start talking about what you're doing right now. A beautiful disaster. Yes. What 
what is the current status of that? When are we going to start to hear music? Uh, and who is actually in the band with you? Sure. Um, the drum tracks, actually, we started the album today. That's why I'm a little late. You know, we uh, sessions ran a little late. You know how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. We blew out a couple of mics and uh, <laughs> all good. That's good. That's um, good. It is myself, Chad Zligia on drums of Breaking Benjamin fame, Black Label Society, Scott Stapp. Um, my dear, dear friend Eric Leonhart is on bass. He is formerly of Tantric and also Adrenaline Mob. So he is, uh, he is my cohort. And uh, we have a new great young singer. I don't know if I'll announce it yet. I think okay. we I think we want to keep it secret. Maybe I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. You like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, is it yeah. some like, is it not? a name we would know, you no, think? Or? Not no. at all. Okay. I'll tell, you, nope. I'll tell you, poor Mike has searched far and wide. <laughs> he sent me like what, maybe a hundred different singers? I don't even And I go <laughs> the one you sent me, I was like, what did I say? <laughs> well there's a lot of things we can't say. There's yeah, right. No, no, those those one the one I was like Oh, no, I mean, it was it was instant. It was like, you know, this is the kid. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I was know. talking about the one that wasn't the kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some said, choice words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have fun with it, are actually. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right? <laughs> nice job, Mike. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, at some time will be a formal announcement as to who the singer is. And uh, you started drum tracks, but you songwriting is done, I would the, assume, the, the right? Songs, the songs are done. All the pre-production is done. That's usually how I work. I'll do right. all the pre-production tracks. Um, and then it makes the album process much easier. Because you've already laid out the, the blueprint and everything is there. You kind of look back. And then we, we get to e actually take it a step further. Okay. You know, so it's cool to do you know, a great pre-production. And then uh, we try and top us ourselves. You know, you know Mark, Mark, one of the things I wanted to mention, it's yeah. funny. When he talks about how he does songs, the uh, Sonic Stump 1 and 2... Uh, when you listen to it, they're actual songs. And so I called Mike and I said, you know, this is amazing because these are real songs. Right. And he explained to me his writing process. He actually does. He writes the songs first before he ever lays down the guitar tracks. Right. And it totally made sense to me. I don't think a, there's a lot of guitar players that do it that way. No, no, there isn't, yeah. definitely. And uh, how, how will how will the sound of, of this stuff you're working on now differ from, say, Adrenaline Mob? Well, I mean... All three projects are definitely different. Um, you know, Sonic Stomp being instrumental guitar music, but of course it's very song-oriented. Uh, Adrenaline Mob being very, you know, in-your-face and, and, and aggressive. Um, a Beautiful Disaster is much more commercially viable, I would have to say. Um, oh, yeah. You know, not to negate Adrenaline Mob in any way. It's a very, that's a hard rock teetering on commercial but still heavy um, this is definitely you know radio oriented music um, if you wanted to bring in any comparisons which I don't really like to do you know um, it would be closer to a Foo Fighters oh, yeah. shine down oh, yeah. um, you know that type of stuff you know very melodic hard rock but you know you can hear it on the radio yeah right. in, 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 I'm sorry John uh, there, there's a guy named Tommy Nast who He's like rock legend. He's a promotion guy, and uh, and I send everything to Tommy, and uh, so I sent him a beautiful disaster, and he called me and he said, "Oh my God, we have a problem." I'm like, "Shit, really? I thought it was fucking great." He goes, "No, that's the problem." He goes, "There's like eight radio hits here." He goes, "My problem is I don't know where we lead." 
what we lead with. He goes, there's wow. so much good shit on the record. I was like, okay, we could have worse problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like like they like they said on uh, Metalocalypse, that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. yeah I, you know, I'm not just a fan of heavy music. I'm not just a fan of guitar playing. I love bands like Paramore. I think she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, melodic, but, you know, heavy. I mean, I listen to it all. I can go from Matchbox 20 to the new Slipknot is in my truck right now. So, you know, if the song is cool and it drives you, that's all. That's where I'm at. So, Mike, you're, you're a New Yorker. Now, are you doing all of the recording here on the East Coast in New York City? Yes. Uh, basically, as with all of my albums and all of the Adrenaline Mob albums, I engineer, mix, and master them. Um, I have a studio, Sonic Stomp Studios. Um, I've engineered, mixed, and mastered Coverta, Men of Honor, Dearly Departed, the Sonic Stomp stuff. Wow. Engineered the first Adrenaline Mob, so... You know, it's a it's a turnkey situation. I love doing it just as much as I love playing guitar. That is you know? very cool. And you have uh, the ability to do live drums in your studio as well. Everything, and everything, everything like is a full done on at Sonic Stomp Studio. Set up. Wow, that is great. Now, when you, I, I have a technical question. Sometimes our listeners like to hear the technical stuff too. Now, when you are laying something down with Chad, are you doing like a scratch guitar track to a drum track? We've done it both ways. Um, I can go back to. You know, Coverta, where myself and the amazing Mike Portnoy, we would just play together. You know, I've wow. done tracks like that. Um, my late great dear friend, AJ Pirro, who unfortunately passed. Everything I've, I've done with AJ, we've been in the room together. I'll literally wow. sit in there with him, put the headphones on, and we just go for it, you know. And, Very uh, cool. But yeah, but sometimes it's, it's pre-recorded, pre-production tracks. And then what you do with the pre-production tracks is you just slowly erase everything. Right. So the drums record the tracks, and then we go in and we do the bass over, and then we go, so everything goes away, and it becomes the new album. So Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I want, to, I want to talk to you, Doug, a little bit about yeah. all the Guns N' Roses news <laughs> that's going How on. How did I know it was going there, Mark? And, and, then, and then we'll circle back, because I have you some more questions Absolutely. from Mike, too. But I got to tell you, one, one of my earliest favorite, uh, I mean, the first concert I ever saw was Motley Crue on Shout at the Devil, but yeah. one of my most exciting moments uh, at a concert was when I saw Guns N' Roses open for Aerosmith at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Sure, yeah. The kids, we all tore out the seats. Oh, yeah. The place was going nuts. Well, Axel yeah, Axel came up and started talking about how he'd been harassed by the cops. Yeah, I mean, he, it was he so got much, arrested before that show, Mark. There, there was so much danger and excitement in the room. Yeah. What, what was it like managing those guys back, like, say, on that tour uh, before they kind of really took off to be superstars? Yeah, well, I tell you, I mean, those guys, uh, they were my family. They, I mean, I loved them to death. There's... And was the danger real? Oh, very, are you kidding? <laughs> no, Axel got arrested prior to that show. And uh, and the thing about him, I mean, he's a great guy, but by that point, he had totally trusted me. So he got arrested pulling into the parking lot. He said, look, I'm the singer of the, of the opening act. And they said, yeah, fuck, so am I, right? So right. he goes, no, I really am. And his brother was with him, Stuart. And so... Um, they uh, they took him to jail because Stewart was causing a ruckus, and so Axel said, "Look, you got to trust Dougie. He's going to be able to get us out of this." And Stewart's yelling at the cops. So I went across the street to the holding cell, and I said, "Look, 
he really is the singer of the band. And this guy goes, I don't care. Uh, him and his brother are total fucking assholes. And I said, right, you get to deal with him for three hours, right? right. I deal with him every single day. So yeah. please let him go. There's going to be a riot at the show if you don't. Yeah. So they let him go to me. But the, but by that point, I had had Axel's trust. He knew that I knew how to handle those issues. But uh, Mark, yeah, clearly they were very, 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 very real, very dangerous every day. I didn't know what it was that was going to happen next. And, and on that tour, you know, Axel's been... Notorious for going on later than most, we can put it that way. <laughs> and that tour, they, I mean, they showed up on time Absolutely. to open yeah. for Aerosmith each Absolutely. night. Out of respect, what, no doubt. And 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 when did the lateness start? When did uh, that? It was, it was, actually, was that later? Or was, yeah, it, basically, anytime there's headline shows. But yeah. you know, the the thing that's really sad is, and he hates when I defend him and uh, why I don't know. He just doesn't believe in in defending himself. You don't. If you don't believe what he has to say, uh, he really doesn't have an issue with it. But the thing about Axel is, he uh, he doesn't want to fail um, when he comes on stage. So he takes about four hours to prepare, and you know more than any person I've ever worked with in my life. It's not like he's a jerk. It's not like he's trying to hold up the fans at all. He's a great guy and a very loyal guy and a very wonderful guy. It just takes him, he does vocal warm-ups, he does massage, he does acupuncture, he does all of it. So, you know, that whole process takes him about four hours. And if he thought that he was going to squeak on stage, he'd rather just start the whole process again. So it has nothing to do with being rude to the fans, quite the antithesis. He loves the fans. Doug, I have uh, two questions. Uh, All the Talking Metal listeners know that one of my first... uh, concerts when I went away to college was Guns N' Roses either in September or October 87 at the Paradise Rock Club in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. And what I was wondering is what did you guys think back then? Because this is right after the album had been released. Did, did everybody have a feeling that it was going to blow up? No way. Not a chance. No way. It was a small well, club. That yeah. was a yeah, really was small club. It, yeah. But it was great. I mean, I remember that gig uh, really well. And, uh, and no, you know what? I mean, honest to God, until we came off the road in 93, it, we were like the Partridge family. We loved wow. each other. Oh, we loved each other. We had no clue the concept uh, of how large the band was literally until we came off the road. I mean, we had no, no, no concept, whatever. So, I mean, you know, you're playing in front of 800,000 people in Sao Paulo, Brazil, so you kind of get it. Right. But, but honest to God, none of us really... We didn't really care. It was presenting music to the masses and having fun at the same time. So cool. Now, my second question is, is I've been out on the road uh, tour managing Ace Frehley, and a guy that was back uh, in the gang, Tommy (laughs) Rulon, he told me, he said you guys had just great times on the road, but he said that there was a time where you guys had these either shirts or jackets made up that said whatever it takes on them. Now, yeah, you know what we did. Uh, we did a number of jackets throughout the years. I don't remember the whatever it takes, but uh, but I remember. I mean, we we would do, we would do those jackets. Not even. I mean, basically they're for the crew, cool. uh, and it was just a way of thanking them for you know dealing with all the stuff that they had to deal with on that tour. Yeah, what what he was saying. Well, that's a very cool thing that you guys did that for everybody. And the 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 mindset though is that you is what Tommy said is that you guys would do whatever it took. To, to make sure that the shows were as good as they can be and that everybody was having a great time. Oh, that's it true. was like spare no expense to put on a great oh, Guns N' Roses tour. Yeah, when it came to the production, when it came I mean when it, when it came to putting together a show, uh, Slash, Axel, Duff in particular, those three guys, uh, you know, they would all come to me 
uh, either together or independently, and they would say, look, I mean, the amount of production doesn't matter. We want to have the best show that's out there. And so, you know, we would sit down with the designers and we would come up with something. But, uh, you know, it, uh, John, it, it also harkens uh, something in my own mind about Slash that nobody really knows is that Slash and I really ran the band's business for... Uh, from shit, eighty-eight to ninety-three, when we came off the road, and wow. and wow. and go ahead. I'm sorry, John. No, no. I, I I wanted you to tell me because we were talking offline a little while mm -hmm. ago, and and you were telling me that you have this really wild. Uh, I don't know if we can bring this up. We can edit it out if we. No, have go to, ahead. Yeah. You um, you would stay up for like three days in a row, yeah. but then you'd sleep one night, and Slash would come and help you during that time. Yeah, I love Slash to death. We had uh, unfortunately. Uh, kind of an unscrupulous guy from my past who was the original ma uh, manager. He's come up and uh, and talked about some things that just are not factually correct. But uh, Slash and I ran the band's business, and Slash really loved me. And so, yeah, basically from age 4 to 34, I had a sleep cycle of three nights of zero sleep, and on the fourth night I'd sleep four to six hours. And Slash loved me so much that he would come to my room on that fourth night and answer my phones for the four to six hours to make sure that I got the sleep that I needed to get. Uh, I love that guy to death. And, uh, and, and you know, so at some point in time, him and I will we'll sit around and, and be able to discuss uh, the issues that him and I have from the past. But yeah. Now, speaking of Slash, you know, we get this announcement last week or whatever it was, uh, a little over a week ago at this point, that Slash, Axel, and Duff are reuniting for the first time in a long, long time. In Slash has gone on record that when he quit the band, the guy he called in 1996 was you, and he quit the band through you. Do you remember getting that phone call? No, I, I really don't, Mark. I don't remember the, the specific phone call. Um, what was happening at the time is Axel wanted to put in a third guitar player. We brought down uh, Dave Navarro, Zach Wild, and Slash was like, you know, Doug, I'm not sharing leads with anybody. And I, I believe that Slash was probably fairly frustrated with the fact that when he left, I didn't go with him because we were so close. Right. Like I said, I mean, I don't care if Slash passed out in a chandelier at 4 o'clock in the morning. He was at my room at 10 a.m. knocking on the door saying, what do we have to do today? And he wow. covered every single fucking interview. He, we would do, him, and, him and Duff would do the in-stores with me. And, uh, and so, you know, he didn't really understand, but the reality was my contract was with Axl Rose. Uh, because he owned the name, and I'll get to that. Right. But um, but Axel called me and said, "Look, uh, if you go with Slash, I'm gonna sue you." So I was kind of over a barrel. Yeah. And and you mentioned the name. Let's let's cover that. How, I mean, in in Slash's book, he has a, a real uh, distinct story as to how Axel ended up with the name yeah and yeah it's really sad um, again I'm, I'm you know I had uh, left in 2004 to go be a father quite honestly right. and my ex-wife took my boys over to the, the Big Island of Hawaii and so I, uh, I had sold the sanctuary uh, which is the this Iron is Maiden 2004 yeah 2004 yeah. so uh, I moved over there and uh, and while I'm over sipping umbrella drinks poolside thinking that I'm gonna be in the uh, annals of rock history with Peter Grant right uh, this guy Niven comes up uh, who somehow we managed to keep involved for two and a half years when Axel wanted to fire him right and he left the management with Guns N' Roses in 91 yeah he did right? yeah well, but he was stayed on till how long really Were you, well you, no he was gone in 91 and you stayed with Axel till 2004 for, okay till yeah. 2004 yeah yeah okay. till 2004 but um, 
but uh, there's a, a, a very crucial date in the band's history, July 5 of 1993, the band's in Barcelona, Spain, and Niven's story is that I'm given a directive to go to Axel's room, and he tells me to construct a uh, contract giving the rights in the name uh, from Slash and Duff back to Axel. So, uh, and the, the premise was that if they didn't sign it, uh, there was going because they were in Barcelona, Spain, there was going to be a, uh, a riot and people would die and that would be at the hands of Slash and Duff. Right. And, and look, I'm not a dumb guy. If, if, you, if I would have presented a contract like that, they would have been signing it under duress. Sure. You might as well wipe your ass with that contract. It's not valid. But more importantly, uh, July 5th of 1993 was the birth of my first son, Jacob Goldstein. So I'm not even on the same continent. I'm in Mission Viejo, California. I had no idea that it was happening. It was actually the tour manager who will remain nameless, but yeah. uh, he's certainly not going to accept culpability for it because he's still close with the guys. Yeah. But, uh, you know. And like, did, did they, like, why did Slash report it so wrong in his book? Is this, does he actually well, remember Jack, it the wrong way? Yeah, he, or well, is he's he told it to the wrong way. This guy? No, he's told it the wrong way. Right. I mean, you know, Niven, like I said, Niven resurfaces. And I don't know, I mean, look, if uh, I'm not going to go into detail about how Niven was terminated, right. but the way that he was terminated was so, so, so deplorable to Slash personally. I can't believe the Slash is actually friendly with him. But that's between him and, and Alan, I, you know. But the reality was, um, I, you know, at some point, Slash and I will have the opportunity, like I said, to sit down, and it could be two years from now, it could be 27 years from now, who knows? Right. But I know, I know the truth in my head, and uh, and I know that all I ever did for those guys was love them and do the best possible job that I ever could have for them. Right. And at the time that I did the renegotiation, they were the most, uh, the highest paid band in the history of rock and roll, more yeah. so than Michael Jackson. So nobody else did that deal. I fucking did that deal. Will you go see one of these reunion shows? I'd if love they, to if unless they... they throw me out. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in the interview you did with Mitch, one thing that came across is your love for these guys. I love and, them. They're and, my family. And, and, and do you miss them? Big time. Yeah, yeah. I, I really miss them, Mark. Yeah. yeah. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't. They're, right. uh, they were my family. And I walked through fire for those guys. I mean, you know, the, the rampant drug use, the, uh, the riots, uh, all of it, it was... Uh, you know, it's bunker mentality, right? right. You, uh, I mean, when you're in a bunker with a guy during wartime, they're your friend for life. And those guys will, my love for those guys will never dissipate. Right. And just to go on record, you're not looking to get anything from them. They don't oh, owe no. you anything. Oh, you just no. want to sit down and talk with them. You'd like to... to well, you know what? I mean, uh, I don't really... I don't really care whether I sit down with them, to be honest with you. Okay. It's, right. uh, I mean, it's, it, I have, uh, I had this kind of epiphany recently, uh, kind of within the past year, where I refuse to look over my back for fear of running into a wall in front of me. If, if they ever want to talk, I'm available 24/7 to talk to them. Right. But uh, I know what I did for them. Uh, you know, I don't need uh, credence or uh, or somebody else to tell me what a good job I did, accolades from anybody else. I mean, the the one accolade I had was in 1988 when Peter Grant told me what a brilliant fucking job I was doing. And I said, are you sure you don't mean Niv? And he said, no, not the fucking Kiwi. He's right. the most hated man in the fucking business. <laughs> so, you know, uh, right. I know what I did for them. And, right. and if they can't pick up on that or they don't remember, you know, that's for them to deal with, not me. Right. Would you ever write a book? Are you allowed to write a book? Yeah, I, nobody's ever stopped me from writing a book. Right. But uh, you know what? My story's kind of half over. Right. So, uh, and it certainly wouldn't be a Guns N' Roses book. I mean, I've worked for some of the greatest bands of all time, including Guns N' Roses. Right. You know, Black Sabbath and Van Halen and David Lee Roth and 
Blind uh, Melon, yes. too. What did you do with Blind Melon? I was their manager along you, with a guy. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't their day-to-day. Their day-to-day was a guy named Chris Jones. Okay. But uh, Shannon Hoon came to me and he said, look, I, I really want you to manage me. And I said, well, I'm on the road with guns, right. so I cannot do your day-to-day. And uh, so I can't take any credit for that. The one guy that I love and miss is Exhibit. Uh you know, because it was a genre that I'd never been involved in, and uh, he had sold 325,000 units. And when I took over the rest, rest, Restless record, um, we sold uh, 4.75 million. Wow! But uh, but I love him uh, on a personal level as well. He's a great guy. Hey, uh, quick question: um, Were you with Exhibit when he did one of the MTV New Year's Eves uh, in Times Square? No, in the MTV I wasn't there, studio. No. Oh heck, because that's the one time that I uh, hung out with Exhibit. Was I'll tell you, he's uh, a, he's a great years. guy. Yeah, and, he's and a really he's, cool dude. But. And and I don't, you know, I don't know about the rest of them, but that guy is a tough motherfucker. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I he had, looked tough. <laughs> I had Fred Durst. Uh, we had a fall, Fred and I had a falling out early on, and uh, he came to my dressing room, Exhibit's dressing room. And he got in my face. He said, uh, so, Doug, uh, there's no more Guns N' Roses. Uh, you know, uh, now it's all about fucking Limp Biscuits. so fuck you. And Exhibit, like, choked him by the throat and put him up against a wall. He was like, nobody talks to my manager like that. I was like, hey, X, I got this, man. <laughs> wow, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, uh, I want to circle back to Mike yeah, Orlando. Go Mike. we got a great guitar player sitting here with us. we got to <laughs> include you in the conversation. Oh, I, you good. know what I loved, Mike, seeing you uh, play... The tribute to Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes remembered. Oh, I got to see that earlier this much. year. And you did a Diary of a Madman, which yeah. a song Ozzy never did live. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah you never did that live. And and, and one of my it's, it's, uh, it's such a great tribute to one of, one in my book, one of the probably top two most important guitar players ever. Um, yes. Let, let's let's talk about that. Will there be more of these shows, Randy Rhodes Remembered? Um, sure. I mean, you know, first off, it is an absolute honor, you know, to be paying tribute to Randy and his family. Right. You know, I've, and his I've family was very a good Kelly friends. did it with I've become, Yes, I've become friends with Kelly and his sister Randy's Kathy. Randy's brother. Yeah. And they are such amazing people. So, you know, to be able to play for them as well and, you know, it's just, it's surreal. You know, Randy was one of my favorite guitar players and still is on the planet. So yeah. I've done quite a few of them, uh, West Coast, East Coast, going to the West Coast, you know, next week to do another one in, in uh, Anaheim, California. Oh, are you? Cool. January, cool. January 23rd. Oh, good. I'll be there. Yeah, at yeah, M3 yeah. Live. Oh, okay. At NAMM. Cool. So, um, cool. Um, one, one of the, the tracks you did was called Back to the Coast. You played that with Kelly. I did. Which, uh, Randy <laughs> Rhodes' brother, which I, I tell you, the crowd response, I'll be honest, was a little less for that because it wasn't one of the big Ozzy of course, hits. Yeah, it's, but it's, I, it was my favorite moment ah. of the night to get Kelly out there <laughs> doing the Kevin Dubrow part, right? Of, of uh, Back to the Coast. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is. That Quiet Riot version of the song is not available legally yeah. anywhere. Um, you can buy a version with Kelly singing it, I think, on uh, Yeah, iTunes, I've done a couple of um, a couple of versions, Back to the Coast and Killer Girls oh, Killer with Girls. Kelly okay. as well. Um, we've done a few shows on the West Coast where I've joined him. Yeah, it's, Kelly's amazing. Sitting down and hearing stories about Randy from Kelly and Kathy, right. it just blows my mind. You yeah. know? So to be able to get up there and, and, and to, uh, you know, Play for the fans. It's just amazing, you know. 
Michael, so, uh, Mike, you, you're probably going out to NAM. I know you guys met a long time ago at yes. NAM. Yes. And I want to ask you about your gear. I know that you uh, were on that metal gear with Mark, but for the Talking Metal listeners, tell us yes. a little bit about what kind of guitars you play, what kind of amps you use, and any of your uh, effects. Sure, sure, definitely. I mean, yeah, me and Mark have done that metal gear, and, you know, it was an honor doing that metal show as well. Um, as far as, you know, the guitar gear and stuff, I've been with uh, Charvel Jackson for about five years now. Wow. As Very soon cool. as uh, as soon as we launched Adrenaline Mob, I think our first first tour with Godsmack, I hooked up with Charvel right before. They've been great to me ever since. So, you know, I'm a loyal guy. I love them. Um, Ovasian Guitars, the greatest nice. acoustic on the planet. I've been with those guys yeah, for years and years. So I'm a huge supporter of Ovasian. Um, I'm with Marshall Amplifiers. Nice. I've been using them and playing them since I'm this big. Very cool. Uh, you, you know, know Nick. I'm of sure course, you know Nick. That's yeah. my, Nick that's my guy. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? He, I won't even call him my air guy. He's just my buddy. Nick cool. is just, he's a sweetheart. I love him to death. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Well, you can't go wrong with a, a Charvel or a Jackson through a Marshall. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a huge supporter. I've been with GHS and Rocktron. Nice. Since about 2005, but again, using them since I'm a kid. You know, I use DiMarzio pickups, Line 6 wirelesses. Uh, and the one, one thing that I, a firm believer in is I, I use what I endorse. Nice. I do not need to just, hey, you want to put your face on something? No, no thank you. If I use it, I will, you know, tell right. the world and, and use it every day on tour you know, across the country and across the globe. So, so cool. One one thing you um, you uh, have a presence in Staten Island, and uh, Larry DiMarzio started uh, the greatest company. pickup company yeah. in Staten Island. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been here. I can't yeah. even tell you how long. And yeah. I've been using DiMarzios since I I don't yeah. remember. What's your favorite? De like, what do you use? Which pickup? Uh, My or, basic configuration are the evolutions actually oh, cool. that's that's my favorite pickups wow Neck i used to love those dimarzio ads back in like the old guitar players and uh it, there would just be i still remember uh there was a i was always a kiss fan and there was a, a yeah. picture and uh it said paul stanley used super twos i just thought that was that, cool. my <laughs> first pickup was a dimarzio super distortion super, oh super distortion there like, you right. go that's I, it. I, you know what I, I there was a really fun thing we, we're going to touch on this too but there was a as you guys know, um, or you may may know, Sean Penn recently interviewed uh, the El Chapo. Yeah, and and uh, one of the critiques was that he uh, he made the interview about himself instead of El Chapo, which you know journalists are supposed to. The interviews are supposed to be about you guys, not not uh, Mark and I. But I got to tell you one funny thing because I think you'll get a kick out of this. Go for it. I'm out. I'm out with Ace Frehley in Bozeman, Montana, right. yeah. and. Uh, this is when I was just Ace's assistant, and so what happens is, you know, he does a smoking guitar solo, and there's a uh, like a fake pickup. It's like a little picture mm. <laughs> of a pickup. Yeah. I think everybody knows that. So what happens is we ran out of the the little pickup pictures. So I got to go to Staples and like make these little <laughs> pictures. Now listen how crazy this is. I, I need like a good high res picture. So who? sends me the picture Larry DiMarzio of all people right. sends me like right. a, a real actual photo right. you know from his archives and then drives me to Staples to make the, you know to print it out so how crazy is that I have Larry, that that little sticker or little fake pickup w was truly endorsed by Larry DiMarzio because he took me 
two staples. And I, that's like my favorite story for, for me. It was such a trip. I'm like, I can't believe I'm with Larry DiMarzio, yeah, and he's great. taking me to make a fake DiMarzio pickup. <laughs> How cool is that? that anyway, that's great. You I'm know, giving it back to Mark. Thanks I for will, listening. I will add this. One of my, my dear friends from Staten Island has been Ace's guitar tech. Rocco. That's, he's, yeah. he's been doing my guitars oh, since. Oh, cool. I can't remember. Yeah. Rocco Monterosso. If, yeah. if you guys ever need a guitar tech, Rocco. But guess yeah. what? Rocco's an insane guitar player, too. He's, he's just yeah. great guy as well yeah. and, mm. you know, amazing guitar yeah. luthier and technician. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up soon, but I want to, real quick, Mike, is there any adrenal, adrenaline mob news that we need to know about? Um, I mean, what, what what's the status currently? Yeah, we, yeah the, uh, the band is... is we're still with Century Media Records, which is Sony now. They okay. you know, have acquired the, the company. So um, probably, I would say 2017, if I was to say. Uh, okay. you know, so and I'm 2016, maybe at the end of the year or so, you know, we'll, we'll um, try. And you're going to obviously need to probably find a drummer. Or yes, is, we'll, we'll have somebody have to, in mind. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the thing, you know. We were we were gracious enough to have Chad fill in right. for After AJ, AJ passed, when right. yeah. unfortunately he passed. Um, so we haven't figured out that situation. There was no need, you know. It's yeah. it was a take a break and breathe kind of thing, you know, because AJ was one of my dearest friends for decades. So right. it was yeah. like, all right, well, let's we were just, we were also sad. I mean, I've told you yeah. before that it's just so such a tragic loss. Yeah, sorry for your loss because he was your. Good close friend. Uh, yeah, yes. he was. He was one of my dearest, and yeah. you know, we, we we all miss him. You know, especially myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was mo it was more of like a step back from it a little bit, let it breathe, and then you know we'll reconvene, and uh, and it'll be great. I, I love Adrenaline Mob. It's Adrenaline Mob is in my blood. <laughs> excellent, excellent, cool, and uh, good timing. Doug just hung up. You got a got some business going on there, Doug. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. on the cell phone. Well, the UK call. UK call. Sorry, Mark. Hey, hey, Doug. Uh, before before we wrap up, I yeah. I, I want to find out. I know we know you're working with Mike on stuff, I and am, you yes, still sir. got your hand in the in the music business. Yeah. What what else are you are you working on? You mentioned some yeah. stuff to us earlier about yeah, tickets yeah. and yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a company out of Germany called SAP, and they have a really cool ticketing solution. Seems like everybody hates Ticketmaster for a number of reasons, but uh, but this particular company, they uh, you know one of the things that uh, that everybody misses is having something really cool about the show that you attended. I still have my Jethro Tull tickets from when I was 12 years old. Right. Yeah. So one of the cool things about the SAP ticketing solution, you receive a box which will say like Aerosmith, Nassau Coliseum, November 12th, and you open it up and it has a watch which uh, similar to what a lot of the EDM concerts are doing now. And, uh, and everything that you purchase uh, from that point forward is done on that, on that watch. So it's a really cool ticketing solution. They've hired me as their international director of sales. Uh, look for it because it's cool. a, a very cool process. And then, I, yeah, I still have some other musical things that I'm doing. Uh, I'm working on a medicinal cannabis uh, music festival next nice. summer. Okay. Uh, I've, uh, I've probably dealt with shit by now maybe 50 different international oncologists dealing in the world of CBD oil uh, and its curing uh, effects on particularly cancer wow, quite okay. honestly so it's very cool and then uh, I'm meeting uh, on Wednesday with uh, with uh, Rob Dukes formerly of Exodus yeah. Good now Generation ours, Kills yeah, yeah great yeah. fucking guy yeah. and uh, and Daryl from Run DMC, DMC they have yep. a, an amazing project which everybody's going to shit when they hear 
but uh, in fact, I look forward to putting uh, to putting Orlando and uh, and those guys together on festivals. It's going to be crazy yeah, good. Cool. Yeah, cool. And I know they've been working with Bumblefoot. Another That's right. Staten yeah, Ron Bumblefoot guy, doll. Uh, That's right. I love him to like death. Mike Orlando. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we can't wait for uh, the. DMC, Daryl McDaniels, uh, Generation Kill collaboration. Yeah, Generation with, Kill. That's with right. Bumblefoot thrown in yeah, the mix. Absolutely. <laughs> so well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bumblefoot's doing, uh, he's doing a lot of the production, and yeah. he's doing a brilliant job. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that he that he, that he that was one of his fortes, but he's a fucking phenomenal producer. Yeah. He's a great, great guy, too. We love him. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about Trump. He is <laughs> currently <laughs> running for president. Go, Donald. Donald. <laughs> Go, Donald. Uh, we were talking about him before we started rolling tape here, yeah. and you started telling us about oh Donald God. Trump Funny and story. Guns N' Roses. Let's Funny you got to relay this to the yeah. Other, we're playing five shows at Madison Square Garden. I hear this is Doug Goldstein around, and I look, and it's Donald Trump. What year is this? This is '92. Wow. Okay. And so I said, "Yeah, this is Doug Goldstein." He said, "Can you make a pass for me?" I said, "Yeah, sure." So being quizzical, I said, "Why are you here?" And he said, I want to meet the Donald Trump of rock and roll. I said, I give up. He said, you know, Doug, he said, when you're an underdog, everybody puts you to the top. Press, uh, your fans. And once you get to the top, they jerk your ass back to the ground. He said, uh, that's what Axl Rose is. So, you know, uh, so I introduced Axl to him after the show. And the, and I called my wife, funnily right. enough. I called my, my at the time, wife. And I said, you're not going to believe who's at the show. Donald Trump. She goes, yeah, fuck you. I go, no, I swear to God. It was Donald Trump. She goes, yeah, right. Yeah. I go, I, anyway, I swear to God. So she flies in the next night. And how many restaurants, Mark, are there in Manhattan? I mean, There's estimate. Thousands. That, hundreds of them, yeah, right? Yeah. So, Tens of thousands at So least, myself and my wife and Peter Mensch and his then wife were having dinner. And I hear this, hey, it's Doug Goldstein. I look and it's fucking Trump. Wow. So he comes up and he sits down, spends like half an hour talking to us, and he gives me his business card and says, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. So literally for years I carried it around saying I have the Trump card, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, liter I, I literally, last year I went to Trump Plaza and I said, hi, you know, uh, Donald Trump, I'm sure he'll remember me. Yeah, get the fuck walking, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no way, man. Right. They weren't going to, no way. Cool. Well, it should be interesting to see what happens with uh, with the guns uh, reunion of at least slash Duff and Axel. Any idea, any insight to why they haven't really told us officially who else is involved uh, at this well, point? You know, it's kind of out there, Mark. I mean, yeah, yeah it, but there's been no like the press release they put out. It just said those three guys. I think they're kind of trying to hold on to that because that's really the core nucleus. Right. And, and but I'll be honest with you, I wish those guys nothing but great success. I love them to death. Um, I think that they're going to do a fantastic job, and, I and think it's people, exciting, right? I mean, I'm, are you kidding? I'm, yeah, it's I'm very so exciting. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see it. Although Mitch Lafon and I will probably have to watch it from the parking lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I love those guys. I wish they kill it. I yeah. really hope they kill it. And. When, when was the last time you heard from any of those guys? It was a long well, time heard, ago, right? I mean, No, no. I heard from Axel after my Mitch LaFon uh, interview. Oh, and okay. he, he asked me to please not do any interviews because he was trying to repair some past relationships. Right. The way I'm looking at it, you know, I mean, those relationships are now repaired, which yeah. is why I decided to go ahead and talk to you, Mark. Uh, well, but again, okay. uh, you know, like I said, I love those guys. They're my family, and yeah. I wish them nothing but great success. And, and, and the one thing I did get from that Mitch LaFon interview in April is, you know, I've heard, I've heard the other guy uh, do some interviews, and he sometimes comes off almost bitter sounding, where yeah. I really felt after listening to that, 
that that you really came off as a guy who really loves those guys. I oh, mean, absolutely, no question. And and that's that's I'm not kissing your ass. That's the honest feeling oh, I thanks, had Mark. when, yeah, when listening to that that interview. Um, because thank of course you. I'd I'd read stuff about you in in Slash's book and stuff, and I, I got definitely after hearing that interview with Mitch, my opinion. Of, of you and, and because I didn't I didn't know you you know sure, it, and yeah. it changed after that interview well thank um, you very much and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, I hope that sometime you get a chance to talk to those guys again yeah that'd be nice because uh, you know I, I do love them I love them to death I love them dearly and I've been through so much with them and uh, and, and yeah you know at some point hopefully we will be able to sit down um, you know, I, I mean, the reality was the only reason Nevin made me a, a partner in his management company, Axel and him hated each other, disdain. I mean, right. absolute disdain. So, uh, and what Niven doesn't know is uh, Slash and myself literally kept him involved for two and a half years. Uh, Axel would call and say, fire him, fuck, it, fuck you, I, he's not going to work with me. And I'd say, look, he's my partner, fuck you. Yeah. And then I'd back up uh, Slash. I'd say, Slash, I need you to help me. And Slash would say, look, Axel, he's, uh, he's our manager. No, you're not going to fire him. He, he always makes it sound like I had designs on his job. Never the case. Yeah. Never the case. So, okay. But thank you for saying that. I really yeah, appreciate that, Mark. Yeah. Cool. Anything else, John? Yeah, yeah. Two, two quick things. Um, I, I have a whole bunch of just like a final questions for Mike. But real quick, uh, Doug, your son is a guitar player. Thanks, John. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I have a son who's a guitar player, Jake Goldstein. He's, uh, he's in an alternative band called Honey, and they've had the number one single on K-Rock, which is the biggest alternative station in the country, for four months. They just came off the road with The Neighborhood and Bad Sons, two bands that are... Uh, and the funny thing is they're all from the same high school, Newbury Park, wow. which is kind of a hotbed of music right now. Yeah, and then fun. my baby boy, Eli, he's the bass player, percussionist in the family. Somebody, somebody has to have the backbeat, right? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> you guys are a musical family. It's in your blood, and very, very cool. Yeah, thanks, John. The, the funny thing though is that uh, you said that Jake can like do, you know, he can not only oh do, God. but he can teach like, Eddie Van Halen style solos. But yeah. now he's in a band where there are not many solos. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I always go great. I spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars in guitar lessons, and you're doing power chords. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for that. Yeah, right. Thanks, well, John. Hey, you're welcome, man. Thank you. And, um, Mike, I want to just uh, you to tell us and tell the Talking Metal listeners uh, a couple of things. All the stuff you're going to be doing through the rest of the year and then where they can find out about all this stuff. Cool. Um, I mean, the schedule starts next week, you know, revisiting the Randy Rose Remembered Family out in California, January 23rd. Uh, I then take my Sonic Stomp band, which is... Um, tentatively titled now Sonic Stomp and Friends because I've joined with my buddies from Brazil, um, the drummer, bassist, uh, you know, singer and from keyboard player from a band called Noturnal that I just performed at Rock and Rio with a couple of months ago. Yes, and they are now in Sonic Stomp, so we are we are doing the Axes and Anchors cruise in February. Oh, very. So we're really excited about that. Um, a Beautiful Disaster is in production, and myself and the amazing Doug Goldstein here hope to be blowing that up real soon. And we're also working on a guitar tour. Uh, can I say who is tentatively yeah, in it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, we're looking to take it across Europe uh, with myself and, you know, a dear friend of mine from probably, I'm going to say about 15 years old, uh, Ron Thal, wow. Bumblefoot. Excellent. He's we've, our good uh, friend we've grown too. up in Staten Island yeah. together. Blocks away from each other, you know. I love him dearly. Yeah. Amazing guitar player. 
So we're working on that. We got Monty Pittman, who is, you know, my brother. He plays in Madonna and Ministry. Cool. And uh, we have Charlie. Charlie He can say that better than I can. Charlie Paradoriego. He's he's a guy with over 60 million YouTube views. He's from Lima, Peru, and nobody knows who the fuck he is. It's classic. I mean, he's a phenomenal guitar player. Who's the guy that plays uh, Michael Jackson Beat It on an acoustic guitar? Have you seen that? Yeah, there's a guy. He kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, how Bumblefoot sometimes uh, puts the like, not like a, almost like a capo to sure. to like dampen yeah, the sound. The and this yep. guy does like a two-handed oh, that's cool. version of Beat It. But look, oh, look it up. Awesome. I thought it might have been the same guy, but no. yeah. yeah, Charlie. Charlie has uh, a bunch of metal tunes on YouTube. But oh, I mean, cool. look up Charlie Para P A R R A Dell, and then it's Riego. Pardon me, R I E G O. Cool. He's uh, like I said, over sixty million views. Wow, that's but insane. Yeah, yeah, and nobody knows him. Slash Man. somehow found him. He put him on a show in Lima, Peru. Wow. But other than that, nobody has any clue who he is. And I'll tell you, yeah. the fun thing is, uh, and Mike, you can jump in on this. But between Monty Pittman, Ron Thal, Charlie Par- Pardel Riego, and the nicest fucking guy I've ever met, Mike Orlando. We exchange, we exchange all these emails amongst us, and there's no fucking egos. We're all having a blast. We're just yeah. trying to put together a really cool fucking tour. Right? I'll tell you the truth. It really oh, that's what it's all about is yeah. getting along. It, you know what? Speaking of everybody being buddies and, and stuff, it really feels like that nowadays in, in heavy metal and hard rock. That like Everybody just wants to be cool and wants to hang and out. we got to join together. You know, we got to uh, make sure this thing... I, I imagine it was different know. maybe back in the day when finance and money and everything was different like maybe in the 80s but now like most of the people that we know we're all cool with each other and everybody's having a good time well i I wouldn't mind interjecting one comment you guys if you don't mind yeah so i got i I had the uh the fun job of doing security on the eat and smile tour with david lee roth steve Vai, billy sheehan greg bissonette brett toggle and they recently tried to uh do a show and uh, and they, for whatever reason, they couldn't pull it off. The they, fire department shut right, it down. Right, they got yeah. it shut down. But uh, it's funny. I love those guys so much that I uh, I called Steve I, and I said, Steve, look, I will literally do fucking luggage. I will deliver yeah. luggage to all of your rooms. I don't care about managing it. I want to be involved because Steve I and Billy Sheen are two of the nice and and Bissonette and Brett Toggle. They're all the yeah. nicest fucking people I've dealt with this side of Orlando. Yeah. So, I'm really kind of hoping that I can get involved in that project as well because I, I love those happens. guys. I hope me that too. Happens. Yeah, and that reminds me. Uh, through today's show notes, I will link that Metal Gear, which uh, Mike and I did for VH1.com. Right on. Yep. I also did uh, an episode with Billy Sheehan, which is uh, another great one that you can. Yeah, look I just up talked on. to Billy yesterday. Oh, did you? Great oh, guy. I love yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, love him. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story off the air okay. <laughs> of how he got fired from David Lee Roth. Yeah, it's very oh, funny. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've heard the official on-air version of that. Yeah, him, never. Yeah, no, this okay. one's much better. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Very good. And we're gonna link all Mike's uh, websites. Your social media stuff will be linked Thanks through today's Mark. show notes on talkingmetal.com. And uh, and uh, oh, sure. All right. There we go. Yeah, talking metal. Cheers. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> One more. All right. Got it. All right. Cool, guys. Thanks for joining us. Again, check out the show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Big thanks to Doug Goldstein and Mike Orlando for joining us on this episode. And uh, we'll check you out next time. Look around. 
You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.